Yo, what's up? Welcome back to Say Less with Kaz. I'm your boy Kaz. Thank you so much for subscribing on all social media platforms, all streaming platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, everybody. Appreciate you. We're doing this five times a week, Monday through Friday. Expect your pods to be filling up with more Kaz content. Obviously, this past weekend, was WrestleMania the first time ever? It went two nights. It was too big for one night. Obviously, everything going on in the world, uh, they were hell bent on putting this show together and giving the people a distraction. Anything is better than reading the news right now or reading social media because it is depressing as fuck. But today's episode, we do a deep dive into everything uh, that took place this past weekend on night one and night two. My good friend, the incomparable Robin Lundberg of Sports Illustrated. Uh, He is an incredibly talented human being and writer and interviewist. Um, And also, for the first time, we got some video. So shout out to the good folks at StreamYard for uh, putting together this sort of homemade studio deal that we're going for right now. And... um, if you like the audio but would love to watch video and watch the uh, interactions in between uh, the guests and myself, you could subscribe on YouTube.com slash Kazim. That is my YouTube page. You can launch. Uh, it's just been launched. Uh, technically, I've had it for like six or seven years, but I've never really used it. So there's no time like the presence to get this thing popping. So um, shout out to everybody on uh, Discord. For getting that going, we're going to get some Twitch stuff going. Uh, Patreon, you guys are free for the month. Obviously, everybody's going through some tough times, so the last thing I want to do is take anybody's money. Uh, I just want to spread some content. This sort of thing has been extremely, extremely uh, beneficial and therapeutic for not just myself, but you know the friends I get to talk to each and every day about uh, you know just this incredible, incredible time we're all living in right now. So if you get um if you get anything from this and you get to enjoy your time and just not think about death and viruses and destruction for, you know, the next couple of minutes, I think we've done our part. So like I said in the first episode, we're building the show brick by brick. So this will be the first week you can catch these episodes live on my YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash Kazim. Emilio. Hit the motherfucking music. Joining me today, man, is uh, a guy who I've been a very big fan of for a long time. An incredible writer. You can check his daily content on Sports Illustrated, as well as many other platforms and places. His name is Robin Lundberg, and we're going to talk all things WrestleMania all this past weekend for the first time ever, obviously, under extremely different circumstances, uh, WrestleMania went on as scheduled uh, without a crowd. But, you know, for the for the time being, it looks like uh, sports everywhere might be taking a bit of, uh, how you say, cues from Vince McMahon for the next couple of months and probably a year until uh, this entire COVID-19 epidemic is uh up and uh, out of here because, man, it is really messing up a lot of things right now. But let's not get into that. Let's talk some wrestling. Right here is my good friend Rob Lundberg of Sports Illustrated. Rob, how you living, bro? 
We'll do it live. Uh, I don't bring the, the branding with me everywhere I go. It was Bill O'Reilly. I think you said Bill O'Brien, the, the Texan. Bill O'Brien. <laughs> I, get, I get my white guys mixed up, Robin. It happens. Bro. Yeah, I mean, we all look alike, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when you talk about, uh, you know, uh, do it live, actually, the, the WWE did it taped, right? And I, I got to tell you, tell you, man, I was just glad to have something. You know, we, we need some hope, some sort of outlet because – Things obviously really suck right now. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, that was going to be my first question to ask you. Uh, and you put out this great video for Sports Illustrated just a few moments ago. Um, are you glad WrestleMania went on as scheduled? Oh, 100%. You know, and, and leading into it, you know, I understood why people were would be hesitant. I understood why the performers would be hesitant, Roman Reigns in particular, right? Um, we're, we're all sort of trying to figure it out. But there, there's this this balance of when you're being cautious and doing everything you should do versus also persevering in, in a sense and continuing to, to live life. So I, I sort of take it as a, as a hopeful, um, you know, a beacon of hope, if you will, that maybe there can be some version of normalcy at, at some point soon. You know, maybe you could take the, the NBA and, and have them quarantine like they've talked about in Vegas and, and, and other ideas of that ilk before we're ready to go full blast because it does seem like it's going to be a while before before fans can be in, in attendance. I agree, man. It feels like uh, – and, and, and here's a weird thing, man, and a lot of people really wouldn't give uh, pro wrestling credit for a lot of this stuff, but, like, pro wrestling has long been the guinea pig for a lot of ways that sports have been consumed in America. I mean, you got to remember, WrestleMania was – the first WrestleMania was the first of its kind when it was a pay-per-view event when, you know, boxing wasn't really doing that. A lot of UFC wasn't really doing that. A lot of sports was not doing that until the WWE and Vince McMahon did it, uh, putting shows on at Madison Square Garden like that to that sort of scale, doing uh, weekly cable television. I mean, they've seemed to be the guinea pig for a lot of things that end up going, uh, you know, nationwide when it comes to sports. And in addition to that, uh, you know, now we're in a, in, a, in a whole new world where we don't know where we'll be able to congregate by the thousands anymore. Um, do you think that having no crowd this past WrestleMania added or subtracted to the overall show's presentation? Uh, you know, both. Uh, obviously, wrestling in particular is so dependent on the crowd. But I, I think in one way it helped was with the wrestling itself. You know, um, as if you're just focusing on the matches, you really got to see the the level of performance some of these superstars have. You know, the, the ability to go through, tell the story with the physicality, and, and they really did that. Um, and, and then it, it required them to be innovative, like you were just giving them credit for. I mean, uh, you know, th- there's been like replay mechanisms they've used in the past, uh, broadcasting during commercial break. WWE has done before, even the XFL. I think the first time around. They use some of that that camera stuff in the NFL, so uh, they were able to do the um, I, I don't know post production, I guess you could call it, on, on the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match because that Boneyard match to me was like if we were going back to 2003 when things were straight to DVD and it's like The Undertaker straight to DVD, you know, it was like an Undertaker <laughs> action movie and, and the the Firefly Funhouse match. I don't even know what that was. But it was like the WWE's experimental album. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it was interesting and forward thinking, and, and it was a way to use the moment to capitalize on it. And, and, and the way I put it before, in, in a sense, I think it will be a time capsule, right? Because the WWE 
has the, the WWE network, which is amazing. And, and my, my kids have gotten into it recently. In fact, my, my son, Raj, he's five. He has a finishing move he calls the Spine Crusher. And he, he likes to hit me with it and then go, is my finishing move fire? I'm like, well, <laughs> my ribs hurt a little bit. It's because we've been watching the old stuff. But, you know, like th- that's the, the, the kind of thing that you can gain from, from the, this opportunity. Go back and, and, and dig in the crates, if you will. And, and they just did a, a great job as far as all that's concerned. All right, let's dive into it more, man. Night one, obviously, had a lot of highlights. Uh, the triple threat ladder match might have stolen the show. Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens had a hell of a match with no crowd, and Kevin Owens in that big New Jack-style dive off the WrestleMania sign. But like you said, everybody left night one of WrestleMania talking about the Bone Yard match. Talk to me a little bit about this going forward for the history of professional wrestling. I mean, we're in the midst of watching a, a docuseries on The Undertaker, which is pretty much, I guess, starting to allude that, like, this really might be it for him. This might be his last match or his last sort of run in the WWE. And now they put out this Boneyard match, which, like you said, seemed like a straight-to-DVD action flick. But for the most part, a lot of people really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. I mean, it fit The Undertaker's character, right? The Undertaker's always sort of been a movie character, right? Or, or something. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I'm like, wait, does he really come back from the dead? That can't be right, right? <laughs> like, so he's always sort of fit that mythology. So I think it's a way to extend older wrestlers' careers, really, more than anything else, because he can't do real matches anymore. Let, let's be real about it, right? I mean, he's, he's just he's too old. Yeah, uh, man. You know? I, I was watching the, the the first look at his uh, docuseries Last Ride on the WWE Network, and, you know, anybody who knows The Undertaker or has known of The Undertaker knows that he never lets people in. He never puts people, you know, never brings cameras around. He just got Instagram, like, last year. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's one of those guys who has been kayfabe to the death. But, you know, you're seeing just how much his 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 year schedule goes from wrestling at WrestleMania to getting surgery right after WrestleMania to rehabbing for it just in time to get ready for the next WrestleMania. And that's his whole life. So now we, we got this new sort of like canon version of pro wrestling where it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really it's not really for championships or anything like that. It's just something entertaining. And I think a lot of the Older performers, the Mick Foley's of the world, the Stings of the world, the Undertakers of the world. This can be something that leads them to another sort of chapter in their career where they don't necessarily have to get extremely hurt like they used to in live crowds. Yeah, especially, I think, when the the character is bigger than the performer, in a sense, if you know what I mean. Like, because there are certain guys that you just want to see their in-ring work and they're, they're lauded for that. But then there are, you know, a character like The Undertaker... Yeah, you ever see the monster truck shows? They have that grave uh, digger truck. Yes, it's been around forever. I mean, like the Undertaker, right? I mean, like the Undertaker <laughs> works for kids, works for old people. Everybody gets and understands what the Undertaker. It's like Spider Man. It's like anyone can wear the mask. Like he's the yeah, yeah. Anyone can wear that. Yeah, so I think that's a way that those sort of things can work, and then. Um, and then the other thing you mentioned, kayfabe and the like. I mean, uh, it, it's a way to to take people into weird idiosyncrasies of the, of the business, which I, I didn't think they did as much in the, in the Boneyard match, of course, but they definitely did it in the uh, Firefly Funhouse match. I agree. I agree. So um, in addition to the Boneyard match, what else do you think stole the show for WrestleMania for you? Was it the triple threat ladder? I'm, I'm, we're just talking night one here. What, what yeah, stole yeah. the show for you? 
In night one, I, yeah, I think it had to be the ladder match. I, I thought the, the ladder match was well done. Um, like I said, I, I think there, there are two things from the WrestleMania that stood out. There was a couple of the missteps, maybe a match too long, the, the heavyweight matches or, or whatnot. But the two things that stood out were either the innovation, like the Boneyard match, or just the pure wrestling. And I thought the, the ladder match did a good job of that, like just telling them, you know, first of all, Ladder match always works, right? Have you ever always, been like, oh, always. no, they're doing a ladder you got, match? You got John Morrison, <laughs> the parkour king. You got Kofi Kingston, who will always find some weird, crazy way to innovate flying through the air like a madman. And then, you know, you got Jimmy Uso, who, shout out to him. I don't think I've ever seen a solo Jimmy Uso match. But between the banter and the hard-hitting nature of it, am I weird for kind of wanting to see, like, a solo Uso run sometime, what maybe one time before they got they're done with their career. Yeah, I mean, look, it gives you an interesting insight too. Plus the the uh, the way they were almost mic'd up in a sense, right? You you get to, to hear the uh, hopefully not too much of the the, the spots. Uh, that's the right jargon, right? Uh, yeah. the, the spots <laughs> being given out, but the uh, you know like the the storytelling in that sense as well, because generally with a crowd, you wouldn't hear that. So you lose some of that energy perhaps, but the, the fact that they were able to keep that energy through a match like that, I thought was really dope. It was incredible, man. Um, so night one kind of seemed like the, the, the teaser for things to come. I think night one really benefited from not having a whole lot of expectation. We kind of didn't know what we were go- getting into, but after, you know, the action of Seth and KO, the action of the triple threat ladder match, um, I really like the the women's tag team match. I think Asuka and Kyrie Sane, the Kabuki Warriors, are like two of the most hilarious performers on the roster. And of course, the Boneyard match set the stage for night two. And going into night two, now we had expectations. Now the big matches were coming up. The matches that we were talking about for months on end. You got Edge and Randy Orton, uh, Cena and Wyatt in the Firefly Funhouse match, Drew and Brock Lesnar. Um, the five-way SmackDown women's title match. What match stood out? Before we get to the Firefly Funhouse match, because this is obvious, this is going to take a lot of us for, to, for us to talk about. What match stood out to you on night two? I, I thought the Charlotte Flair match. Uh, yeah, I, I thought her performance w- was really excellent, and and uh, it was another one of those ones where it was really told through um, the actual athleticism and the actual craft, right? Uh, and you also have to remember, there's a lot of parachute fans for something like this. So there's a lot of people who, uh, I mean, even in me to a degree where you might not be following every story and every intricacy, you know some of the the, the bigger name stars and you know the business, if you will. So when you, when you pop in and you're like, oh man, WrestleMania, here's something that's not a rising death toll. (laughs) (laughs) I keep counting, counting. I don't want to see that number anymore. (laughs) You know, and, and uh, I thought, uh, I thought that match was, was, was really well done. And I I thought it was a nice, um, you could tell on social media and the like too, like sort of a culmination for her and and the achievements of her career. Yeah. I I feel like, and and I sent this tweet out during the match um, at what point do we start calling Charlotte Flair Mrs. WrestleMania? We know all, Shawn Michaels has been Mr. WrestleMania for the better part of the last 15 years. Charlotte Flair has had a moment every single WrestleMania, stolen the show, won a title. She's the first person in the history of the company to win the SmackDown, Raw, and NXT women's titles all at WrestleMania. Talk about her career retrospective at this point because she went from being Ric Flair's daughter to like, oh, this might be like the best women's wrestler of all time. 
it's like a gift and a curse, right? Um, because it's like the Eminem being white. Uh, you know, like Eminem is white, so it helps his popularity, right? Because he's a white guy. But <laughs> it also always would have people be like, yo, he's only this because he's white, right? right. Like, so you have, to, you have to battle through both of those things. That's the, the same thing with, with uh, Charlotte Flair. You know, she's Ric Flair's daughter. So, of course, she's going to be elevated to a certain extent. But then that, that comes with the pressure of not just being Ric Flair's daughter. And, and I think she's, she's really accomplished that. And, and, you know, when do you start doing it? Just start doing it, right? You started doing it. I, I've had a chance to talk to her on a couple occasions. Always came away impressed. Um, she obviously cares uh, about what she's doing um, out there. And, 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 again, I think that's, that was the, the, the big takeaway for some of them is they, they were performing. I mean, these buzzwords we throw out, like distraction and, and escape and all that, it used to feel like BS. But nowadays it's like, yep. Yes, please, please. <laughs> exactly, right. Anything but death and viruses, I'm down for it. <laughs> Hook it to my veins. <laughs> so I think they knew what the fans wanted and they tried their best to get to give it to them because there's no cues to work with. So so I, I think the, the, the truly gifted performers are the ones that you're going to have to trust in, in that regard. It's like when, or, uh, when you're, you have no, nothing from the crowd, you know you're flop. And when you have the, the laugh from the crowd, you know you're doing great. Re- wrestling is basically the, the same thing. So to be able to do it without that reassurance, uh, I think, comes w- with having the, the, the track record and, and comes with having the refs. And, and, and she's proven herself over and over. All right. Uh, let's get into some of the bigger matches uh, of the night. Edge and Randy Orton uh, probably told the best story, I would say, going into WrestleMania, just as far as Edge's nine-year hiatus from uh, neck surgery and coming back. Uh, that incredible WWE 24 documentary on the network. If you haven't gotten to see it, just like, I don't even think you need to be a wrestling fan to even appreciate just how well shot and, and, and the great job that they did for that documentary. Um, and you got Randy Orton, who at this point is an all-time great, and it's performing at such a high level as far as uh, convincing you that he's just a real piece of shit. Uh, so when it comes to Edge and Randy Orton, man, a lot of people are saying the match went on too long. It was a little too prodding. It was it was a lot going on with that match. What are your thoughts on Edge versus Randy Orton in the last man standing match? Yeah, that was probably my least favorite match. I know uh, wrestling fans probably really liked it. Like you said, it, it told a story, right? But – um, you know, it, 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 tension spans are still what they are. And, and I, I thought by the end of it, they might let fans back in the arena. You know, it wasn't bad. So I, I don't want to disrespect it because, you know, there's a difference between it being like it wasn't my favorite and it was trash. It certainly right. wasn't trash. It right. was really well done. They know what they're doing. I, I just think it could have been about 20 minutes shorter. Maybe something like that because it just felt like it, it was dragging and dragging. Maybe that's where you miss the the, the fans and the the spots being sort of the the same in in that scenario where they were backstage. There's only so many things they could do. And then when you have like a ten count, yeah, well, it's going to be hard to keep the guy down for the ten count. We know, you know, you can kick out of twenty five finishers in a row nowadays, right? Of three, so a, a ten count. <laughs> just spam the spam the comeback button on WWE Two K Twenty. Just spam the hell yeah. out of that. <laughs> yeah, so that was probably. Um, the biggest momentum killer for for me, just as a a, a viewer. But in the grand scheme of things, I, I understand its place and and, and definitely respect to the performers. I, I just didn't think it landed perfectly. 
Yeah, it almost felt like uh, without Triple H on the card, you needed your obligatory 40-minute spectacle on that card. And uh, I think Randy Orton's taking his place. But um, just thoughts on how you think Edge looked. I mean, he took nine years off. Uh, He looked pretty good. And, you know, for a guy who had to retire almost a decade ago from neck uh, issues, uh, how did you think he looked personally? Oh, I thought it looked great, right? I mean, like, how do these guys do this? That That's another thing, yeah. you know, just in general. Uh, um, when I'm, I'm talking about watching my kids, my wife is like, why are you letting them watch this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you're destroying each other. <laughs> and it's a decent point. Uh, you know, I think the, the, the thing about wrestling is it's it's like um, – it's too violent for kids and too absurd for adults. So, you know, perfect. And <laughs> it's the perfect form of family entertainment. It's the perfect balance of absurdity. And this is really violent and no one should watch this. But, but I, I think uh, his performance goes to the heart of the, the issue about them going through with the show. The whole show must go on because clearly from a personal point of pride, he wanted to get back out there, even though medically it may not have been the, the, the best idea. We've seen that with him. We've seen it with Daniel Bryan and Shawn Michaels and so many people over the years, right? Um, so I, I think the commitment to, to the craft again and to the fan base is admirable in a sense because that, that could not have been easy to do. And then he didn't even get the adulation that would have come with doing it in front of all the, all the fans. So definitely respect him for that. Yeah, man. Uh, he's the guy that I felt for the most as far as uh, this entire pandemic taking over the world because for a guy to work that hard to get back, especially after being told, you know, your your life's work, the thing that you've worked your entire career for is taken away from you, you get it back. You had the – I mean, I was in Houston uh, for the Royal Rumble at Minute Maid Park, and you got to remember, that was the same day Kobe Bryant passed away. So, like, the last thing I wanted to do was be at a wrestling show because I was sad as hell, depressed as hell. I just wanted to go home and be around my family. And then just hearing Edge's music, that big surprise in the Royal Rumble, I felt like I felt like I felt like how everybody in that crowd felt. We just needed something to cheer for. And that moment was it for me and for a lot of people. And I feel like Edge was kind of put back in that same position, just like, times a million where it was, you know, everybody needed something to cheer for. And, you know, I think Edge did what he had to do when it came to uh, uh, putting on that match. And hopefully he stays healthy and, you know, we get to see a little bit more of him as the years go on. Um, The WWE Championship match, uh, Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre, uh, Drew, another guy. Uh, I spoke about Edge being somebody I felt for about not having that big WrestleMania moment. Drew McIntyre is another guy, a dude who was called the chosen one when he first came in, you know, kind of lost his way, went to the Indies, became this, you know, badass sort of Scottish pirate sort of thing. <laughs> and, you know, he's kind of, you know, some people just catch that fire. You know, Shawn Michaels had it one time. Uh, Seth Rollins had it one time. Some people just get that momentum and it doesn't stop. And Drew McIntyre seemed like he was having that. And, uh, you know, he captured the world title last night against Brock Lesnar in a quick match that maybe went maybe six or seven minutes. What were your thoughts on Drew versus Brock? And Drew going forward as a world champion. 
Yeah, I didn't mind that one or the Goldberg-Braun Strowman match, uh, you know, especially in the context of how everything else was going on. Because, you, you know, we mentioned Charlotte Flair. We mentioned the ladder match, the, the big, long wrestling extravaganzas. Then you had the, the you know, sideshow slash main event things that like the Boneyard, like the Fireflies uh, Funhouse, and to a degree, the last man standing match. So to, to have those big guys just pummel each other for a few minutes, I actually think worked in the grand <laughs> scheme of the show, right? Yeah. You know, and, and again, for parachute fans, you have to remember there are the parachute fans who are coming. So this F5, F5, all right, cool, big kick to the face. What does he call that thing again? You know, like, play more, play more touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that aspect of it worked with those particular performers, especially after everything that, that had come before it. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I, so what are your thoughts on Drew necessarily being the guy right now? I mean, it's 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 a tough, you know, it's tough for anybody to become the world champion for the first time and being so like, here, you got to carry the ball for the company right now. It's just same as Braun Strowman. Here, you got to carry the ball for the company right now. But now they're in a position where nobody has ever had to perform in front of zero crowd, uh, small arenas. Um, it's, it's, it's an incredible time. So Drew as the world champion, Braun as the universal champion, who do you think's better positioned for the future carrying that company? Oof. Can I get, can I do a right in answer? Go, go for it. I think it should be Bray Wyatt. Mm. I, I think he's the most interesting character, right? And, and there, there's a certain gravitas to, to what he's doing and the, the whole thing about it. So I think um, when it comes to who could who could be the position, I mean, almost as like the the Thanos of WWE, if you will, and, and trying to to unseat that, I think he's actually the one in the best position there. Uh, McIntyre, you know, is in the vein of a, a Roman Reigns or somebody like that. Looks the part, worked hard, all that has the has the ability to perform, and nothing wrong with that. But to me, the most interesting guy is Bray Wyatt. Well, you mentioned it, man. So let's let's get right down to it. The Firefly Funhouse. If if the Boneyard match was the two for twenty appetizers at Applebee's, the Firefly Funhouse was you know the spicy rigatoni at Carbone. It was just just everything that you want out of pro wrestling and things that you didn't know you needed. I truly believe the Firefly Funhouse delivered on uh, Bray Wyatt, John Cena. It almost served as a tribute to John Cena, but in the same way, kind of like a retrospective on his career, on Bray's career. And a lot of times you don't really get a chance to, you know, fix your first impression or fix things that should have been happening. Like we always do this thing with wrestling fans, right? We're always like, yo, what's the one thing that happened at at a wrestling event or a WrestleMania that you thought was the wrong call? And a lot of people thought Bray Wyatt should have gone over John Cena at WrestleMania 30 and started building Bray Wyatt to the new sort of like Undertaker mythical sort of character uh, that, you know, the WWE has been lacking since the Undertaker really can't do it anymore. Now you got this new character in The Fiend and, and this sort of reinvention of Bray Wyatt. And it is without a doubt the most talked about thing that has happened uh, after WrestleMania the day after. So I would love to know your thoughts on just that entire spectacle. Yeah, I, I think it's a chance to do it with, with Bray Wyatt again, like I was just saying, like a, you know, a, a do-over in that sense. But like the Boneyard match only works maybe with The Undertaker because of the character. So you're telling 
you know, an, an Undertaker fan fiction, if you will, uh, or, or straight to DVD movie, as I put it. Yeah. This worked because of John Cena, right? Because John Cena is a star now. So you're, you're, you're really, you know, there, there's the, the wrestling fans who have always followed John Cena and maybe had some issues with, with various points in his career, not turning heel, you know, being elevated, whatnot. Uh, and then there, there's the casual fans who are like, oh, John Cena from the movies. So, like, the, the fact that it was being John Cena's story being told that way, I think, works really well because he has achieved a level of fame um, that, that's big for pro wrestling and goes beyond pro wrestling a little bit. So I, I thought they did a really nice job with those devices for each of those characters. One, for, for The Undertaker being the character, and then two, for John Cena being a, a celebrity if you will, because I think that works for The Rock. It works for, for John Cena. It works for, you know, a couple of other guys. But he's really he's really one of the only people you could do it with. And, and considering the, the way it was done and and not live, I thought they, they did as good a job as, the, as they possibly could. We were texting earlier, right? And you said, um, what, what's the line you're going with? Uh, I, I'm saying considering the circumstances or with, with all things considered. With all you know, things like, considered. <laughs> Anytime anybody asks you how you're doing, you have to answer that. Well, all things considered, great. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, I, I think all things considered, it was very innovative, and that's the, the best way they could have handled both John Cena and, and The Undertaker. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost tells like – it only only works with like iconic characters, right? So now the door's open for all these old timers, all these guys that you still you still love to see, but you know they just can't do what they used to do anymore. And I think it was like John Cena was the perfect blueprint for it because it almost it told his entire career. It went from OVW as this musclehead meathead guy to ruthless aggression to the little dig at, at Nikki Bella to uh, you know why he, he didn't turn heel and, you know, this this sort of alternate reality where he turns into Hollywood Hulk Hogan and, you know, comes out in the NWO shirt. And, you know, then it, it, you finally have the moment that goes back to WrestleMania 30 where we all thought this is the time to turn John Cena heel. It's time for him to, you know, be the guy that, you know, Bray Wyatt said that he always was. So now that we're here and now that the match took place, do you think the next time we see John Cena, and given Bray Wyatt's history, every time you face Bray Wyatt, you become a different person. Daniel Bryan was a heel after Bray Wyatt, then it became a face. Finn Balor was a face after uh, Bray Wyatt, then it became a heel and went to NXT. The Miz was a face when he faced Bray Wyatt, and then it became a heel. The next time we see John Cena, will we see Hollywood heel John Cena in the WWE ring? I think there's some way to do it that's not so much on the nose. Like, is there a change in his character that can happen that's not a full – because you're probably right. They missed the chance to, like, do the heel turn when the timing was right, right? So is there a way to bring John Cena back somewhere in that nebulous area where you're not sure – because he's not, you know, like, uh, out there, you know, the righteous this guy. Uh, but but he's <laughs> not at the same time just, like – blatantly uh the bad guy is there a way to to touch on those gray areas with john cena because i think that's what they were hitting at with like the apple and, and all that stuff yeah so I, I i wonder if there's a way to change that character some to to lean into that without you know doing the the full flip i agree i agree i think uh i think that they, they've done it well i think there's going to be a time where they're going to need him again 
You know, there's going to be SummerSlam coming up. Obviously, WrestleMania Los Angeles next year in the SoFi Stadium, God willing, is going to be, you know, I think that's the time where they pull out all the stops. And like we said, all things considered, this <laughs> event went, went without a hitch. And now we're at the point where, you know, WrestleMania Los Angeles is going to be one of the biggest live event spectacles in the history of that company. They pretty much punted on this year. They're going into a brand new stadium. We got, and I feel like right now, anybody who's connected to WWE, everything's in play. You got Gronk, who's the 24-7 champion now. You got The Rock, who you're in his backyard. You got John Cena, who by that time that movie comes, that, that event happens you know, we'll be at 10 Fast, 10 Furious with John Cena and The Rock and Vin Diesel and all these other things. You got Roman Reigns, who for the first time in years wasn't at WrestleMania. There's so many things in play for WrestleMania Los Angeles. Give me your entirely too early predictions for WrestleMania Hollywood. Oh, my man. I don't even know what's happening tomorrow. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, the the... They, did they not set it up for another Cena-Wyatt match? Like a, an actual in-the-ring match? That's I think that, like, should, right? that would probably headline. Yeah. I, I, think that's the, I think that's the main event of WrestleMania, if I'm predicting forward. Uh, maybe uh, even whether or not they figure out a way to, to, to elevate him to the, the fiends at the top of the company or not. To me, the most interesting match they could do at WrestleMania now would be those two, but in the ring this time. I agree. Uh, I think right now there's there's so much on the table. You got, you, you know, Drew's probably still going to be one of the guys when this year comes back. So maybe you got Drew and Roman Reigns happening somewhere. I know, you know, if I'm The Rock or if I'm Vince McMahon, I'm giving The Rock an offer he can't refuse. You see what we just did with John Cena? He didn't need you to do the Rock, Hogan, and, and Austin. Something, some sort of you know what I mean? Like, give me, give me Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin in the Firefly Funhouse. Give me Hulk Hogan in the Boneyard match. Give me all these these iconic characters that I still care about, that I still want to see in these pre-taped Hollywood spectacles that could, you know. And and mind you, it might be a little different watching it in a live crowd, but I still think right now they've broken new ground as far as how they can make something so dope. In, in such dire, dire circumstances. Um, and those serve as like interludes or interstitials to the, the rest as well when, once you have a crowd back. Right, right. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, Robin, man, thank you so much for joining me on my WrestleMania uh, hangover show uh, with Say Less. Um, this will be live in a few minutes. Uh, we'll put this out. Robin, is there anything that you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, no, man, everybody, all things considered, uh, that, that's the name, we should do a new show, all things considered, uh, everybody, you know, stay calm, stay safe, and, and hopefully we can, you know, have fun at some point again. <laughs> I hope so too, brother. Robin, thank you so much, bro. We'll catch you later, stay safe, keep your hands clean. Uh, you can follow him at Robin Lundberg on Twitter. He's on Sports Illustrated. He does Mad Dog Radio. He is one of the best guys in the business. Thank you so much, Rob. Stay safe. Get the best of your family, man. Appreciate the conversation. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. All right, and that is a wrap for today's episode of Say Less. Uh, We tried something new today, so hopefully you guys like it. Um, the audio will still be out for everybody. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all that type of stuff. But 
if you want to watch the video, obviously, you know, we can't be in studios like we used to be. Uh, technology is our best friend right now. So you could go to youtube.com slash Kazim. That is my personal YouTube page. The videos will be available right here for everybody who wants to watch it. Thank you so much. We'll be back tomorrow for Say Less. Peace.